This is the Higher Ed Experience from KOL, the creative agency for higher education. I'm your host for this episode, Brett Anderson, creative director at KOL. In today's episode, we have Kevin Wall joining us. Kevin is the CEO and founder of KOL. Starting KOL over a decade ago, Kevin chats with us about how the agency got started, where it's been, and what the future holds. Any release of a new version of Drupal is a huge talking point, and Drupal 9 is just that. Kevin breaks down what you need to know about planning your upgrade to Drupal 9 and what to expect. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. So Kevin, tell us a little bit about KWAL and how it got started. Yeah, sure. Uh, So KWAL started out of Arizona about 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, to help clients have websites and custom web applications that they could really control or manage original clients were startups or even a couple schools that needed help moving from static uncontrollable websites into content management systems or building out custom applications that had a a user interface on the web that they could really manage. And through that initial learning and only having a few staff on there, I found Drupal to be a great open source system to help build some of that complexity in a way that somebody could log in and manage that and have multiple types of content, different types of user access controls. And so we kind of fell into an interest with Drupal that helped project our growth as a Drupal development firm, basically. So our success with that platform was widely recognized in the community and, and how complex some of the things we were building were in Drupal. And we joined a lot of the community. We started meetups. And then we basically learned later that higher education had that same need as a lot of our other clients. And we've helped everyone from ABC to the state governments to you know, food service industries. We've been all over the place to create such different types of websites based on the the one platform that then we kind of pivoted into higher ed and then started using other platforms for higher ed. But that is kind of how we got started was really through Arizona startups and things like that, that had that kind of point and click edit need, you know, and then Drupal really helped us with that. And then what is that transition from, like you're saying, that wide range of clients into more of a higher ed focus? So it took a a little bit of time to get completely focused on higher ed. We still do other work for other clients, right? We still have Hungry Howie's or Bimbo Bread or some of these other clients that really like what we do. And, you know, when we saw that higher ed had this just constant need for help, specifically marketers needing a a website that really meets their needs to grow the information that they're putting out there, get better on brand. You know, it took us some time internally to get the right staffing and the right people to transition from anything and everything into just the one area that we wanted to look at in a vertical. So we really had to lean in to higher education and understand their needs more even though we'd already had exposure to it. I think it really helped us a lot at the current transition that we're at and still being more focused on higher ed because 
our team at KWAL really, really knows higher ed now. They know how to help in all different ways because we've had so much experience across private, public, school systems, community colleges, you name it, that now they know when somebody has a certain struggle or brand problem or a uneditable old website, we know how to get them onto something or how to support them in a way that, that really helps them. How have you seen the higher education space change over the years, and especially this last year? Pre-pandemic, higher education space was still going online in a very large way. Online education is a huge interest from new students, younger students. They understand, and I think there's still a lot of value in the experience of being on campus and being in a classroom and interacting with people and growing up and and learning from other people directly. People are really, really savvy, and it's very different now than it was 10 years ago. They're super savvy on technology. They want that 24-7 access. I didn't go to college that long ago, and I remember being in a library when it was open to be able to do my research. And now that would be very unacceptable that the only place that you could find information was when you had uh, library hours to visit. Now the information is out there everywhere, and it's a larger interest to be online. The current students today have already bypassed the idea of Facebook, right? And they're way past that. So they're just moving through these trends so quickly that it's really, really heavily focused on online, instant digital phone access, video access, clear and obvious paths to communication, easy search. So there's lots of different ways that it's changed over the past couple of years. Back in the day, it used to be, here's my book, my book of the school, right? You'd go on there and that's how websites were built. They were built to be just clearly uh, information center for somebody to then join the school. And then once you're at the school, that's all you had, right? There was no point in current students really being on that website. It was just to bring in new customers, basically. And that's changed a lot. Now it's a central place for all information for the school, uh, how to get there, what events are happening, everything is online. And so that makes it much more complex and is why a lot of people bring in a, a person or a team like KWAL to help them reorganize because you need that external experience to come in and help you. And I think that reinforces the decision for KWAL to focus on higher education as our primary customer because of those skills and the knowledge that we have with the technology. From your point of view, why does higher education mostly use Drupal? So higher education uses Drupal because of its ability to be open source, license-free, heavily customizable, and controllable and secure. So you can have uh, problems where people can put not accessible stuff on the web, not compliant information on the web can be hacked on these other platforms and lack control as a centralized school. So they use Drupal in that way to be in control, to have a unified platform that people know how to use, click edit, can go through some fields and change some content, but that it's expected and meets the brand. And back in the day, it used to be that you'd have this like flashing text, you know, spinning dinosaur on somebody's web page. And now we've kind of used those CMSs to control that down and make sure that. But also there's a lot of people don't know how to use 
HTML. So it really helps them get layouts out there that let people digest that information really well. So in your experience, what expectations should we have as we're trying to upgrade to say Drupal 9? So they're already on Drupal or WordPress or a handful of other CMSs. Going through transition, when you talk about Drupal specifically and upgrading tends to look different for every type of school. My answer there typically is that nobody likes to hear it. It's the, the developer answer, it depends. Drupal, because it's built in a custom way where you take these modules, these handful of modules and you use them as Legos, you create whatever you wanted on top of it is incredibly powerful because it's built on just layers and layers of different things. You can have an email system, you could trigger scheduled content to post, you could integrate with some other system and it's got all these layouts and code and custom content types and fields. And every time you add a module, it adds a piece of complexity to the update process. So how difficult your architecture is really makes it difficult to tell you what it will take to go through it. So moving to the next version of Drupal can be easy or difficult depending on how that works. And maybe there's something new in the code that's conflicting with something you already did. So there can be a journey through there. The part of it that's not, it depends. The part that's really common is that you have to go through a couple different processes. What should we consider when reviewing our website? You basically need to check your core Drupal check your modules and your, and your hosting platform, those three things to meet the requirements of the next update. So when you run an update or an upgrade, and I think there's a difference in this, an update might be a minor update from like a version Drupal 8.6.2 to 8.6.3, that's probably gonna be very compatible with most things. When you go to Drupal 8 to 9 or 7 to 8 to 9 or one of these things we're going to talk about, there's a much bigger journey to figure out there. What has truly changed that I use every day or is part of the modules I have or are they even in existence anymore? So you have to go through, check compatibility across your entire platform, just like you would if you were doing anything with a physical product. You couldn't just unplug something on your laptop and then plug a new one in without expecting some sort of problem or some journey to fix the thing or update it. And so you have to go through there and see what errors you're going to get. How would or do you define how difficult a website upgrade might be? Something to give the listeners a gauge to work from. At KWAL, we break down major version upgrades into three categories. Right now we have essentially three different categories, the standard, the advanced and an enterprise, let's say. So we have clients that, let's say are on a standard site, if we call it that in Drupal, that are on Drupal 8. There's maybe 60 modules, which sounds like a lot, but it's not too bad, that do a, a lot of the things, but really it's just an informational site and it has a handful of pages and images and videos, and it's a pretty basic site. Those are gonna be really standard where we kind of could run through a checklist put them right in there and they're going to probably upgrade the soonest on like a Drupal 8 to 9 journey. 
We have advanced that maybe has a few integrations you really need to look at, maybe some custom code in there that does things in a way they wanted it to work different than the contributed community module. And it's going to take a little bit of work, but it's possible. And then we, what I call the enterprise is you've got, you know, integrations with Slate, you've got a Salesforce integration, you've got a, a third-party login system, you've got content that gets delivered through some separate feeds, and then you've got 250 modules that do all this different workflow, and you've got 400 content authors. I'm calling that an enterprise site. Those are going to be much more time sensitive to getting those out. You're going to spend a ton of time testing. You have to deliver a customer experience to your content authors that's the same no matter what. So we have to make sure that that whole journey gets through there and all of them have a positive experience with the upgrade. So those enterprise ones are, are probably the most difficult, but that's how we kind of assess it down into those three different categories to make sure that we're testing it in the right way and we're giving you the right answer. Really, if you're looking at, at upgrading to a larger system and you haven't even really done an experience internally to do a small upgrade, it's great to have a partner on your side that does this every day. So, so you know, we're always looking to help in those uh, bigger Drupal 9 upgrades. Great. So in the scenario that I have a standard site, or that's what I feel that I have, and I'm interested in upgrading, what steps should I take? Great question. So after you've kind of done an analysis of if your core can be updated, if your modules can be updated or upgraded, and uh, all of that to make sure everything's ready to go, you really need to set up a development site. That could be locally, that could be with like a partner. If you're on a managed hosting, like a lot of our uh, managed hosting partners, they tend to have three different versions of your site, a dev a stage production, test stage production, whatever you want to call it. But you'll have somewhere to ruin a site. And so you need to make a full copy of your site somewhere to then follow on drupal.org, follow the update steps that they tell you programmatically run the code updates. You can't just button click update it, you know? And a lot of other ones, uh, other CMSs, they do have that update process, but a lot of them don't have the complexity put in front of your site. And you could expect that you're gonna have to go through some errors and do some Google searching and figuring out what those errors are if something does pop up. So you need to have that over there where that's not in front of the client facing public area, you know, you don't want your production site going down. So you need to test it somewhere else and then move it up through the journey of bringing that back to life uh, on production on the updated version. And then what issues could there be? There's a lot that can go wrong. Sometimes modules aren't ready for updating or like an older method that they were using to build out the code or the content isn't being used anymore in the core of Drupal and requires a data migration, a lot of the times it's like you've used a certain type of field and that's no longer what people use anymore, especially around like media and imagery. And you need to move that data. So there could be custom coding that needs to happen through that migration to do that or some sort of adjustment to how you had developed your code to work with the core of the new system. There's always some PHP error that needs to be patched or fixed. There's always that. So if you do run into one of those, you can pretty much Google snippet that piece and write Drupal version 
whatever you've got in your PHP errors, then it'll tell you that that's the first place you should be looking all the time. Look on your dev server or wherever you're doing this testing for your PHP error log. You should look in Drupal error log if you can get to it, but it's not uncommon for even seasoned developers to be like, well, now I have a big white page with nothing happening. I don't know where to start. And it's always PHP errors. You know, once you kind of get through that, maybe there's a patch, maybe there's just a slight configuration change you need to do. Then you'll probably have to run the update process a few more times and uh, it'll, it'll work its way through. You just want to make sure you have a couple test cases that you test your editing and your login and, and the just general things your site does. If there's a form to fill out, you need to test that just to make sure that everything kind of works uh, before you get and move it to your production site. So let's look at the last kind of three versions of Drupal and kind of one by one look at what what would it take to upgrade from those. So starting with Drupal 6, what's it going to take? So Drupal 6 is a very old at this point, but we still have clients on Drupal 6. And it works because really the goal is not to be on the latest and greatest, but to have a site that works and people can get to different areas of the site to view content. But modules are probably going to be your biggest thing here that's changed. If you have a complex site, even moving to Drupal 7 was an event, but you're going to have to move through probably Drupal 7, then upgrade to 8, and then finally to Drupal 9. Drupal 8 and 9, the system has completely changed. So if you've got maybe a 10-page website, that's not maybe going to be too hard. And maybe if it's really just content, you just get somebody to copy and paste all that in. You kind of rebuild it on a new one. So you don't leave, bring over a bunch of trash from different phones. But when we work on really big things here, it's not an option for us. We have to then migrate 4,000 pages, you know, 1,200 PDFs, you know, 50 user accounts and 70 forms. We've got a lot of stuff that needs to move on some of those. So we have to go through and kind of do that. Even for us, we might just assume that we need to move mostly the content over and we'll bring it onto a cleaner version of Drupal 7 and up or 8 and up through some complex integrations and systems that we have. But Drupal 6 is, is super, super old. So a lot of those modules that you would have used are either gone or not updated anymore. And you'll have these problems where you're going to have to kind of recreate what you had in Drupal 6 now. So now let's look at Drupal 7. Yeah, so Drupal 7 would be pretty much similar to Drupal 6, but the overall experience of moving would be easier. A lot of the methods used in Drupal 7 are now closer to what's in Drupal 8, but still the code base is different. So if you had custom modules or custom code you wrote, you're going to have to translate that into the object-oriented code of Drupal 8, which is on a, a new site architecture. It's called Symphony. And if you need to learn that, you're probably a pretty savvy Drupal guy or girl. You know, there's a big change in Drupal 8 that made that be the platform that Drupal was built on. And it that's why it took so long for, uh, and so many people to change what Drupal 7 was into Drupal 8. So there's this big transition of anything custom that you did, but the overall like having fields and content types and all of that is pretty translatable into Drupal 8. So you'll kind of move from Drupal 7 
to the whole new architecture, which will be a pretty long journey, honestly. And then you'll move into Drupal 9 from there. So now if you're an 8, how do you get to 9? Well, Drupal 8, this is actually probably the easiest. You're on the new code base. D9 is basically, even though it's a major version update, it's the same thing with a few depreciated pieces of code that are changing on that Symfony platform. There's a module even called, I think, Upgrade Status that will let you see if the code and modules on your site are compatible and give you some guidance on what needs to get fixed to get there. And then you run through a series of updates and you'll be on Drupal 9. Uh, right now, and it could change by the time we even post this, there's just a lot of modules that are catching up. So we have to uh, make sure that whatever's on your site is compatible and is not incompatible yet with the code changes. Okay. Well, that all seems pretty difficult for upgrading, very kind of manual process. Uh, you know, why is it so difficult? That's a great question. There is an initiative to do automated upgrades, kind of that point and click in the future, but I see it as two reasons. One is you've got this massive module base and you can really create anything you want in so many different ways. You can craft it to go this way or that way or use this thing or do that, that it's basically an enterprise software. And anyone that's worked in technology knows enterprise software updates are high risk because of how complex and important they are. There's so much going on in each one of these things. I remember that working with some of our customers like DHL has something like 500,000 employees. And so you'd go and you'd look at one of their laptops and they're on Windows XP or something really old. And you're like, well, why is this not updated? Well, because for 500,000 computers, there's a certain percentage of them that will not work with other software. That's how enterprise software tends to work. And so this is one of those things. You have this custom built thing. And if you go through and you want to use the, the latest and greatest, it just takes a lot of time and it and has a higher risk. So historically it's been difficult because modules are built by community members that do it when they have time and, and support these. So the modules need to keep up with the innovation going on with Drupal. It's all community non-paid people that can do it when they can. Then they tend to have real jobs. When you get an update to Drupal, it's kind of announced, and then everyone has to kind of change all their code to be compatible with that. It takes six months or so to get there. From the community vision of Drupal, they want to be on the latest technology. That's why Drupal 8 kind of became completely rewritten, was big ambitions, not to be our own core system anymore, use things that exist like Symfony to help us leverage the growth, bring in new technology like Twig or like YAML configurations and all these technical things to just try to be the best. That was really hard, but now it's looking like it's going to get easier as time goes on because we did so much work in that to then allow it for, for future growth. That's hopefully where we're going to be looking at next is the minimal change to the experience for our real stakeholders, the content authors, the site admins, the site visitors, and just really helping them improve the content authoring experience and less of these like heavier struggles to get that platform to work for them. They don't really see that, you know, they just need a place to log in and manage content. That's really exciting. I think it's a great 
you know, place to be with that community. I mean, that's what open source is all about is uh, giving back and contributing uh, one to another for a great experience. Kind of to close things up, is there any other things we should be thinking about? Any resources that you've found really helpful? There's a lot of great information and new things going on. And if you look into the Drupal community itself, the DrupalCon was online. A lot of that's out there. Dries himself that founded Drupal has talked about the next mission for just improving content authoring and accessibility. Look online on Drupal.org for some of that information. And that's some really, really interesting stuff. There's sessions out there about all different ways you could handle managing your content on your site. Look to us on like our LinkedIn or on our blog to learn more about how higher education is using Drupal or even just higher education's challenges and uh, how we're solving some of those. I think that's probably what I would suggest kind of taking a look at. Great. Well, thanks for chatting with us, Kevin. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for listening. We'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit our website, kolcompany.com, to contact us, ask questions, learn more about our offerings. Look for more in the coming weeks and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.